0: Welcome to this week's episode of Standout, Growing in the Organizing and Productivity Profession, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer Sarah Karakayan.
1: Hello out there. I'm Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host of The Standout Podcast, where we dig in deep to discover ways for you to grow in the professional organizing and productivity industry. Today, we're going to tackle the topic of minimalism. What is it exactly? Is it subjective? How can we use this way of life to our advantage when working with clients? There are plenty of thoughts behind minimalism. Are they all true? Could a minimalist lifestyle be right for you or your clients? My husband always laughs at me when I point out houses that I love when we're on walks or driving around town because I always point out the smallest houses. I just love them. The smaller, the better. They're so cute. And I love how little time it takes to make them pretty, to tidy them, to organize them, to maintain them. Am I a minimalist? So if you're like me and you feel like as someone who has committed their profession to productivity and organizing, but you feel like you don't know as much as you should about minimalism, today we're going to learn together exactly what it means and how it can be an added flavor to our business structure or offerings. Amy Olson is a productivity and organizing coach who is focused on helping clients that want to live more intentionally, are ready to downsize, and are committed to living with less. Amy was introduced to the concept of minimalism in 2014 and quickly realized that it could help her achieve the balance and contentment she had been searching for. She started implementing minimalist principles into her life, which eventually opened her up to the idea of leaving her career, starting her training as a productivity and organizing coach, and creating Life Done Simply. Her journey has led her to the ultimate adventure, living in a 180-square-foot RV and traveling the country with her partner, Ben. She enjoys sharing her story in hopes that it takes a stigma out of minimalism. Amy, welcome to our show. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. We have something in common, Amy. I too lived in an RV for just a year, traveled the country because I had no idea where I wanted to live. And my husband and I with our dog did that same thing. And it was so much fun.
2: And you're still married. And we're still married. Can you believe it? (laughs) That's the number one question everyone asks me is how do you put up with each other in such a small space? But honestly, I think it enhances the relationship. And I I hope you kind of feel the same way. (laughs) No. So my husband and I actually are in business together.
1: So I think that in itself is kind of a practice of really just learning how to live with another human being, especially in a small space like that and respecting how they live and the way they live in each other's spaces. It was a really good life lesson and it was a lot of fun for us.
2: Good. Good. Yeah. Are you still living in said RV? Yes. Yep. Oh my. we're currently traveling in the Western States, just keeping away from the snow and ice as much as we can right Mm -hmm. now, but really with no plan. Right now we're in Arizona, but every week we open ourselves up to the next location where we're going to go. And we really are just Going with the flow. So, and we'll explain to our
1: listeners what this is, but do you boondock? Do you go to campgrounds? What's your preferred method of traveling? We
2: do a little bit of everything. Right now we are parked beside a family home, aunts and uncles in Arizona, but uh, we have done our Fisher boondocking and RV parks. So a little bit of everything just depending on where we are right so boondocking correct me if i'm wrong amy but it's kind of where you don't plug
1: into any plumbing or electricity you kind of use what the rv allows you to have and you can park in the middle of a, a home depot parking lot or in the middle of the woods wherever you can find space isn't that right exactly exactly yeah.
2: and you know we're trying to stay out of parking lots but sometimes when you're traveling long distances that's that's what's available to you and we knew that that was gonna be part of the equation when we started, but uh, we're really enjoying seeing the country. Both of us have spent a lot of time in Minnesota, and this is really giving us an opportunity to see the whole country. It's a
1: beautiful country, so that's really nice.
2: So Amy, we, I'm dying to know,
1: I I know in 2014, you discovered the concept of minimalism, but can you take us and the audience through what happened before 2014? What was that career and how exactly were you introduced and what gave you the courage to kind of like start all over again? Sure.
2: Well, I was actually the owner of a specialty contracting company. We specialized in asbestos abatement. I'd been in that industry for many, many years. It was a successful career. The company took on a lot of great projects. I had a lot of fun, but I was finding myself tired and drained, and I knew that that was not a fulfilling career for me. It just happened to be something that I fell into, and that was great. I built my lifestyle around it. I had a comfortable living, some success, and and on the outside, it looked like everything was fine, but really, I, I truly struggled with going to work every day and feeling like i was doing something of a positive impact and um, i went to a women's retreat through a women's business association and we did a just a personal survey and it talked about kind of being your authentic self and what i took from that was, was every day when i went into my career i was leaving my authentic self and becoming someone else. So I, it kind of made that connection on, okay, this is why I feel the way I do every morning, where I, you know that dread, that stress, you just keep on, you take on more and more every day, thinking that, well, this is just part of the process. This is climbing the ladder. This is, this is what successful people do, right? They're stressed, they're busy. <laughs> and I started to really look at myself a little differently after that retreat. Now, about that time, that is when I was introduced to an interview by a couple of gentlemen that really had made minimalism their path, and they were crossing the country and educating people about the concept of minimalism. And when I heard them speak, their story was very similar to mine. They were in a career that was from the outside, looked very successful. They had all of the things that you were supposed to have, the nice home, the nice cars, the stuff, but yet they felt unfulfilled. They they felt like something was missing. So as I started to dig, I realized, okay, I think I have my path out of this. And that's how it started. My goodness. So,
1: you and I actually connected at conference last year, and I remember you saying you still wanted to stay involved a little bit in in your roots in in Minnesota. Correct? Right? In in your Napo chapter, is have you been able to still do that? That's the one thing when um, I simplified for that one year and lived in the RV, I, I didn't know what it would be like to to leave the community. And although this episode isn't about RVing, it's it's still, I think, part of simplifying. And you really did simplify to 180 square feet. So how has that been? And your business too, you've had to be creative and figuring out to how to still do what you love with much less without you know the typical home and garage and all that kind of stuff.
2: Right. Well I actually have been able to maintain a pretty strong presence in my chapter. I'm actually the current president of the Minnesota chapter. <laughs> It's crazy. I love it. But it's, you know, when I was approached at possibly taking that position, I, you know, I knew that I had plans to go into the RV, and all of the leadership within my chapter was incredibly supportive and said, you know what? I think this can work. And this is why. You know, we're trying to drive our chapter to be more technologically savvy, utilizing technology as much as possible. And again, this was sending a specific message to all of our members, which was your business and your presence doesn't have to look like anyone else's. You know, this, you can be a leader from anywhere. Now, I, I am fortunate. I can travel back to Minnesota. I actually was just there on Monday uh, this past week for our annual meeting for the Minnesota chapter. So I, I do make it a priority to still be involved. And I want to be a part of that group um, because I don't know what the future holds. I may end up back in Minnesota or I may end up somewhere else, but that is my community. My business, I do still have uh, physical clients in Minnesota that I service, uh, but I have started to progress away from that and do more virtual coaching. And I have a month long virtual coaching program where I take those interested in figuring out how to get organized on the their own. I give them the tools and the principles and then the accountability for a month time. And we step through the beginning of whatever project they want to work on. So I'm doing a little virtual, a little hands-on, and then leading the chapter as well. I think this is an
1: important start to conversation, Amy, because you've removed all the stuff and you've made a life for yourself that's meaningful to you. And like you said, it's not this It doesn't have one look. It doesn't have one way of existing. And I know a lot of people, if you're listening and and you are not yet an organizer or a productivity specialist, and I'm sure you look up to other people in their careers and the way they run their business and you hire them to mentor you and that's great. But you just, like you said, Amy, you have to kind of stay true to who you are and that's really hard to do. So I think that's just a great lesson on what living with less can bring you. It can bring you clarity. It can bring you exactly what you've been looking for when you kind of move all the other clutter out of your way.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I always bring myself back to is comparison is the thief of joy. (laughs) I don't know whose quote that is, but I say it all of the time because as organizers, we tend to be a little type A, (laughs) Mm -hmm. tend to be a little bit more extroverted and we want things our way, but we're constantly trying to improve. And I, I really, minimalism is... Not just about the stuff for me, it's about everything. It's about comparison. It's about what is my journey versus someone else's. It doesn't matter. You know, you have to make it your own. You can use others as inspiration. That's great. But it really should be about improving your life and not creating a life based on what somebody else is doing.
1: I think that's a great segue into. One of the, the takeaways you wanted to kind of bring up today, which I think is super important, which are, you know, which is what are the myths? that are surrounded around minimalism. So the first thing we think of is, oh that home with the white walls and the one chair and maybe a table, right? Like you know, that's the first thing people think of, but you're not like I was on your website and and learning a little bit more about your belief system and it's those thoughts that clutter your mind. It's the all those other, you know, either things or thoughts or beliefs that can get in the way of of where you're meant to be. So, can you help debunk some of the minimal, like
2: maybe say what the myths are and then tell us what's true? Absolutely. Well, just like you said, yeah, people think minimalism means bare white walls, means restriction, you know, or they think boring. And while that technically is true when you think of minimalism as the definition for art or architecture, Minimalism is really a term that's been adopted by this lifestyle. And it doesn't mean that at all. It means actually creating space so you can do with it what truly inspires you. So instead of decorating, I I think of, you know, when we're just talking about decorating, you know, getting away from that bare white wall. Instead of decorating with random things from a department store, things that just don't bring you any joy, things that you just don't enjoy at all. <laughs> you know, maybe you're keeping something out of guilt. Minimalism means making that space what you need it to be. So it doesn't mean bare white walls. It means you, you could have your walls floor to ceiling with books. If books are what bring you joy, if you truly appreciate all of your books, that can be minimalism as well. That you have made an intentional decision to surround yourself with those books because they bring you true happiness or they're useful. Oh, yeah, that's one big myth that I always love to debunk uh, because the the technical Webster's dictionary uh, definition is bare, <laughs> only the most essential. So pe- people get that in their head. Another uh, common myth is that it means you have to be vegan or radical environmentalist. Or anti-consumption no not at all Uh, now by default if you adopt a minimalist lifestyle for some time you will notice yourself naturally becoming a little bit more environmentally friendly um, just by default you know because we again it's about that intentionality it's about only bringing in what truly inspires you what you truly love and really thinking about your impact, but it it does not mean that you have to be a radical environmentalist. In the whole book example you gave us,
1: it's it's funny because what, what what were the two definitions? Uh, what the dictionary gave us: either it was bare or it was only what was essential, right? Is that what right. you said? Mm-hmm. So, but what if books are essential to your happiness? And you know what I mean. But you, but but you know, the hottest HGTV decorator says that cotton balls and 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 mason jars are are what you should really think are essential. You know, and it's it's no appreciating that, but knowing like not that's not me and and this is what's me and having the clarity in your mind to be
2: okay with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I think kind of brings us to the next myth, which is minimalism is only for the wealthy. A lot of people think, "Well, it's easy for you to become a minimalist when you have all of your essentials met." you know food shelter housing clothing things like that what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of people adopt minimalist principles in their life because they're trying to pay off a lot of debt they had to downsize due to an unexpected life event uh, you know death divorce relocation minimalism is not just for the wealthy it's it's actually, it's been adopted all across the world. A lot of European countries, Asian countries are far ahead of the U.S. in terms of minimalism. Living small, living meaningful, and being very intentional.
1: And wouldn't that by default also, like you said, people do it to save money. Yeah, it would It would get your finances in check even. So yeah, that's interesting that people kind of go to the, it's only for the wealthy where I see it as a great way to just keep, like I said, but my other example, like I love small spaces because I love being surrounded by beautiful things, but I don't need endless rooms full of stuff that like I don't touch every day. That's not to say people with big houses need to be uh, looked down upon. You know, I, I hope I didn't come across as that. It's just for me and knowing that and staying
2: true to yourself. Okay. Any other myths that people think of? Yeah, absolutely. It means being void of sentiment. I hear that a lot about, well, I really love sentimental things. I like collecting. Um, And I actually, the one thing that I have stuck with, even in 180 square feet, is sentimental items. And what I love about my sentimental items that I've chosen to keep around me is they're not clouded by everything else. I have, you know, so in our RV, it's a very tiny space, but I have a pair of my grandmother's earrings that I wear all the time. They're my item that I think of her. I have a candy dish that sits out on our very limited counter space that was my grandfather's and that he used constantly. So it's not about being anti-sentimental. It really, again, it's about creating that space so you can keep what's truly important. Now, it still needs to go through the decision-making process, that scrutiny that you should give every item that you surround yourself with. Does this make my life better? Does this item have value in my life? Because often, sentimental items will be, come into our life and we'll go, well, I don't really want this, but you end up keeping it out of guilt and some sense of duty, and now you've burdened yourself. So I would say, it it doesn't mean that you have to be void of sentiment. It means actually you become truly more sentimental. Absolutely. And for our listeners too, you might be sitting here
1: nodding your head saying, you know this, but I'm sure you get asked all the time as a professional organizer, what your lifestyle is. And are you going to make me do these things that I don't want to do? And this is a great reminder that our job is not to rip things out of your hand or your home, but to just help you have a new appreciation for the things that truly matter
2: right and there's there's just one more myth that i think i i would be remiss if i didn't mention a lot of people ask me and it's just out of general curiosity but it's also a common misconception that minimalism means counting your possessions uh, you know well you're only a minimalist if you have 50 items of clothes or you know a total of this many items or this many square feet for your home it means none of that It's knowing what's right for you. There is no requirement. There's no right number, though minimalists who have lived this lifestyle for a while do get enjoyment from noticing how well they can edit. You know, I do enjoy knowing that I have, you know, just a couple of books on my nightstand but they are the books I'm reading and enjoying now. So when people say, well, how many clothes do you have? Yes, I can rattle off a, an approximate number and it seems extreme to most. It's not about that. It's really about this, the success that I have cleared space for the other things that are more important to me. And fashion is just not something that's real important to me right now. It's, the ability to travel and be very nomadic is a choice I'm making for myself now.
1: And that's what you said. You said, you said right now, you said, this is what's important to me right now. Cause we, I think we can all agree that we, we change, we go through stages and seasons. So it's, it sounds like minimalism really is a, it's a discipline, which we always teach our children how important discipline is or, or, instill discipline upon them because we know it's good for them. And I think it's good for us as adults and growing humans and evolving humans to remember to keep asking yourself and to keep yourself in check almost. Would you say minimalism is kind of that, is just
2: yes. yes, that discipline? I tell um, my clients all the time when they ask, I said, it is a daily practice. I struggle with things coming into my home the same way my clients do. I always love to throw out the number There was a study last year, there's 5,000 advertisements that we see individually each day. That's a lot of marketing. That's a lot of pressure. And then you think about what your family sees, you know, and so it's, there's a tie there. So it's not, okay, I edited my life down to X number, I'm good. (laughs) I'm never going to struggle with this organization again. No, it's a daily practice. I'm constantly asking myself two things. How might my life be better with less? And I I got that quote from Jonathan Fields Milburn of The Minimalists. He asks himself that question, and I think that's a good daily practice. And then the next question I ask with any item that comes in or any item I'm tempted to bring in, which is how will this bring value to my life and just the practice of asking that. And Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good about justifying a purchase, <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially if it's something real cute, but at least by asking myself that question, I'm pausing before I'm bringing it in. And so when I start working with my clients and I've, opened up the door of curiosity to minimalism with them. Those are the questions I ask them at the beginning of the session before we ever really work hands-on together. I really want them to know what are their core values? Do they have a vision? Why do they want to live with less? Clearly they do. They contacted us, right? We're the professional organizers. Help us declutter. Help us get organized. Why? Because that why is something I want them to ask themselves every day. And that's my job. I, I feel that's my job. That's the way I do my businesses. I want them to develop that practice. And I think, you know, once you do it, they say it takes 21 days to form a habit. I think this habit starts sooner because a light bulb goes off with them. They go, oh, I have the power. You know, Amy at Life Done simply isn't going to tell me what the right number of things are for me. You know, she doesn't know. I do. I have the power. So really for me, it's about giving my clients the power to make that decision for themselves. And now I'm there for accountability. And I'm there to keep them in that practice. Keep them on
1: track. Okay, Amy, I've got so many questions for you. Listeners, they're going to be good ones, I promise. But stick with us. We're going to take a quick break to hear a message from NAPA. But when we come back, more from Amy Olson about minimalism.
0: The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. For the entire course catalog, visit napo.net slash education. And to join NAPO, visit napo.net slash join.
1: Okay, we're back. And Amy just spent some time with us debunking myths, which has been eye-opening. Even the fact that there are some myths out there that existed, I didn't even think people would think of probably because, you know, I already think I live a pretty thoughtful life, but I definitely have room for improvement. But Amy, how can... Okay. So everything you said has made sense to me, but not all organizers or productivity specialists consider themselves minimalists. So Why do you think that is? Even though, you know, we kind of go through that, let's ask each other, let's ask ask the client, you know, do you want to keep this? Do you want to discard this? Do we donate this? Like those are the questions we help them ask themselves to declutter or to create room in their office with paper, whatever it is that you tackle. Why don't more people in our profession consider
2: themselves minimalists? Again, it goes back to some of those myths that it means, you know, you can't be creative. You can't have stuff. Um, You absolutely can have stuff. You can be creative. But I think also it's the same. I believe that there's quite a few professional organizers who struggle with the exact same issues that our clients do. You know, I think it's always easier for a neutral third party to come in and assess where the roadblocks are. And we don't have that as professional organizers. We are really tasked because we're supposed to know it all. We're tasked with keeping ourselves accountable. And I I hope that more organizers would look at minimalism after this podcast for themselves. I think there's a a genuine benefit for their clients, and I, I hope that we can teach them how to introduce this concept to their clients. But I think first testing it out on themselves is the way to go because it's only you can't read a book and know how to teach minimalism to somebody. You can't just like you can't get skinny reading a book you can't <laughs> a reading a book it's you really have to walk in those shoes where i think professional organizers might be a little confused about the word minimalism and what this practice means is we actually are already teaching a lot of these principles to our clients but we're afraid of the word and so for me i really try to strip the word out as much as i can if we used intentional living instead of minimalism i think there wouldn't be as much a much of a, of that scuttlebutt about ooh you know minimalism is a negative thing yeah
1: do you feel the clients that come to you amy i actually didn't i didn't i didn't even look on your website on if you use that word often do you feel people come to you because they're already in search of that lifestyle or do you think it's pretty Equal balance of you saying, Hey, I think you could really benefit from these principles. They're often called minimalism, but it's more about intentional living.
2: I don't use the word minimalism at all in any of my marketing. Gotcha. It's because it, it's just a word. It's, you know, I do say things like, you know, create space, intentional living, collect moments, not things so really thought more thought provoking phrases that are at the core of what being a minimalist is but it it doesn't scare them off because when our clients come to us they are they're in deep they're frustrated they've tried to get organized before they have a lot of shame and that word i think can create shame because there's a sense of judgment and you know if you don't live like me if, if, if you don't have only X amount of items, then you're hopeless. And that's not the case at all. So I really stay away from those terms. And I talk about core values, intentional living, things that resonate with them, things that can get them thinking about what their right lifestyle is. And then later on, they may find out, you know, because like you said, they'll ask, you know, well, how do you live? How big is your house? You know, do you have a problem with books or do you have a problem with papers? And I'm very honest. No, I, I've always been neat and orderly. This is who I've been since the age of four. <laughs> but when I had all the stuff, I had the stuff. It was just organized. It was clean. But that, I had my own declutter process to go through. You know, the decision-making, the, the busy schedule, the stress. not being able to say no, you know, always thinking that by saying yes, that was going to get me to the happiness I wanted. So I ease my clients into it because I'm just very aware that they're dealing with a lot. And if I don't work specifically with clients who have some of the more challenging disorganization, brain challenges like ADHD, anxiety, depression, uh, hoarding, uh, PTSD. I pass those clients on to fellow organizers who are far more prepared to work with them. So, you know, I, I do want all everyone listening to this to understand this may not be the right vehicle for those individuals, but don't wipe it off the table because I think this lifestyle has benefits for everyone.
1: Absolutely, and I love that's so interesting that you don't use it in your marketing, and I think. I think you're probably going to help more people, Amy, doing it that way. Cause it's kind of like you don't want to scare them off to this beautiful life. You've, you've, I don't know if you've always kind of known it or discovered it and then wanted to share it, but I don't know. That's actually really thought provoking on my end too. And I'm sure for our listeners and you know, Naples re- recently changed the name to professional organizing and productivity specialists. And I think something you say in your website is so true that we have a lot of events that clutter up our calendar and all those yeses and things that we think we need to make our life more productive and how this can really play into the practice of our productivity specialists who are living. And and that's got to be hard. I know that's something that as an organizer... I'd like to think that my calendar is very orderly, but that does not mean I'm using it wisely. And are, is there, are there things on there I don't need to do to be happy or fulfilled? So how do you handle those clients, Amy, that maybe don't have a problem with the physical stuff, but it's the, it's the life stuff that they have problems with? What are some really great tips you can give to our listeners to maybe tackle those, those clients?
2: Well, a lot of our clients feel like they don't have the power to make choices. Their schedule are choices made by other people. And up to this point, before they work with us, that's absolutely true. Now we have the ability, and it should be our goal to show our clients that they, in fact, do have a choice. There's power there, but there's a lot of overcoming expectations. And I think expectation is as bad as a corner filled with clutter of stuff you never use because we're holding on to something for someone else again, not us. Not what's good for us, not what's good for our family, but this expectation. And so I tell people, so, you know, you decide that you're going to do something. You commit to something, let's say, five months in advance. And now, like, that feels like a great yes. (laughs) You know, you say yes to that item up front, and you feel, yes, I can tackle this. But life happens, and as that deadline gets closer and closer, you feel the weight of that burden. You because maybe it wasn't the right fit, or maybe you don't have the time that you thought you'd have. And I tell people you really need to get more comfortable with saying no and being able to lift that burden, set that boulder down, and say, "I'm sorry, I can't." You know, this isn't right for me now. But there's so much shame in our society around that. About oh, she couldn't do it; she had to say no. And we need to be much, much better about when we're talking about productivity and time management, putting self-care and energy management first. I think there is no time management. There is no productivity improving without the energy management piece of it. Uh, So I know that's hard for us as professional organizers. We're the doers. We're (laughs) We're the ones who... We can conquer everything. You know, we're strong, most, you know, especially most of us being women, there's that added expectation. So I think as productivity consultants, we need to start thinking about the energy management more before we can help our clients get to the other pieces.
1: Yeah. Giving, it sounds like it really just giving ourselves more grace and being truer to ourselves and what, where we want that energy to go. That's something we can't replace really with the time. You know, time's gone and that's it. So, do you want to spend it doing that thing you planned five months out that you kind of just said yes to because everyone looks to you as the doer? I don't know.
2: Yeah. You know, I had heard a quote many, many years ago that said, you know, I say no so I can say yes when the right opportunity comes up. And that's absolutely true. I think a good example is so for me, you know, I got rid of all the stuff and I started to whittle my business down to, working with very specific clients, which was very difficult. So, you know, you start to declutter other things. But then I started to even declutter social media, blogging, you know, newsletters, other marketing efforts. And I struggled just like everyone else with that, that fear of missing out or I should be doing this because that's the expectation. And what I n- noticed as I shed a lot of that is I became stronger in my business. I'll give a lot of credit to Jessica Butts, who gave the keynote at last year's uh, Napo conference, or in Chicago. You know, she said, "You know, don't do stuff you suck at." You know, <laughs> you, you. But we get embroiled in this never-ending cycle of, "Oh, I should be doing this. Oh, I should be doing that. Oh, I should be doing this." And I love to tell myself and my clients, "Don't be shooting." All over yourself (laughs) 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 because you're not making room for what's truly important. Once we start to strip those things away, it becomes easier for the client to go, okay, you're right. Like, that isn't important to me. And again, just like decluttering items, it's a daily practice to say no. It's a daily practice to remind yourself of why you're saying no. Do you think it's a if you strip something away from your
1: schedule or your calendar or your life and then six months later, you, you miss it. You missed that thing that you thought maybe you can get rid of. What do you think that is? Do you think that is an old habit creeping up? Do you think that is just self-discovery and you had to take it away to really know how much it meant to you? And what do you say to clients who ask you those questions? Like, you know, I know I said I could do without that, but I've really missed it. Uh, can I bring it back into my life? I mean, of course the answer is, you know, you have you have to do you and be true to yourself. Yeah, I don't know. That that just popped in my head when, you know, you kind of said those things away and you can kind of see what's really important, but then you might realize that you took that thing away and and maybe it was more important, but you didn't see it because there was so much other stuff around
2: it. I don't know. What do you think of that? Right. I think it could be either. I think it could be old habits creeping in or it could be something that really aligns with your values. So what I would what I would ask myself or a client would be, okay, I feel like I'm missing this event or or this thing I used to do. Let's evaluate my core values. Let's evaluate my goals too. What do I have on the table for myself? What am I trying to achieve? And does this thing that I said no to before, this thing that I'm missing, does it align with that? Is this going to help me achieve a goal? Is this going to help me be the person that I want to be? Which again is why I think it's so important at the beginning of every client interaction before I take a client on, is I need to know their core values and I need to know what their goals are. And I want them to know them in writing because as things creep in, physical or not physical, that's what we have to keep bringing ourselves back to is how does this align with my values? Yeah, it's a great place to start or come back
1: to if you kind of get lost along the way. Amy, do you think it's important for us as organizing and productivity professionals to, to what? To debunk minimalism, to bring it to light, to leave it out of our marketing and call it something else? What should we do with that word that pops up so often in our industry?
2: Sure. I wouldn't give too much power to the word. I do call myself a practicing minimalist. And that is just a really short way for me to tell people that I'm constantly being intentional in my life. But it could become just intentional living. So I think right now it's not important for us as organizers to use this in our marketing. But the principles around it, the the curiosity around it, I think is what might be missing from some organizers approach with their clients. And it and it might be because of the myths. So I'm hoping this helps But asking these questions, helping our clients identify the cycle they're in, like how and why are things coming into the house? Because we can help them get rid of things. We can help them get organized. But if we can't help them identify that cycle, and I think we can do that by using minimalist principles, then the cycle continues. I also think that we shouldn't be afraid to challenge our clients. Now, again, I'm not talking about CD clients, you know, because I know there's an element that's far more complicated that you know needs to be addressed with CD clients. But as organizers, we have to be okay with not walking side by side with our clients and saying, okay, you you decide, you decide. They've really hired us, I believe, to give them permission to find the right answer within themselves. You know, and, and we can even, we tend to put too much emphasis on their stuff. So if I'm working with a client, I'm not afraid to challenge them on this. They're hiring me because what they know from what they've been practicing hasn't been working. So I'm always thoughtful. I'm always compassionate, but I'm firm. You know, and again, bringing them back to those goals. I encourage every organizer listening to this, have your clients do their core values and have them do some type of a goal statement because then it's not about what the organizer wants. You know, it's, it's really about what the client wants. It's like with so many
1: things, even with, with you know, I'm a business owner. And even if you're not, if you want to build a career, it's what's your why? They always ask you that, you know, what's come back to your why? And I think that, like you said, it, it goes back to why is this coming into my home? Why is this going out of my schedule? Does it serve my goals or that reason I've set myself on this path? Because if not, it's just going to get in the way. And as doers, figure out what you really want to do. It sounds like you can't, you shouldn't do it all because then you're taking away the focus of that one thing that you could really rock out if you just focused on it and it would make you really happy too. It sounds like this is like ultimate utopia for ourselves but only we can give ourselves that permission.
2: You know, a good takeaway is when you go all in on something you know, as humans, we like to go all in. You know, we're going to go all in on this diet or all in. We're going to hire an organizer and we're finally going to get organized. Why isn't this the right time for a radical lifestyle change? You know, I think the piece that's missing from our job is helping them find that radical lifestyle change. And I know that we need to be patient and compassionate with where they're at in their journey, but. The goal should really be to help them get to a place where they can really do this on their own. But I think there has to be something radical about that. There has to be that shift. Every day for the next month, I want you to ask yourself, how might my life be more with less? Does this item bring me value? And it, those are that's an extreme change. But that's where change comes from. You know, I like I said earlier, I think... If everyone walks away from today's podcast and just starts asking themselves those questions, they'll realize it starts to open up other doors in your brain to thinking about Every little thing a little differently.
1: Well, you know, they always say great things come when you get outside of your comfort zone, and you're right. I think we we get nervous to get our clients out of their comfort zone because we want them to enjoy working with us or to enjoy those sessions together, and it, it may not always be so enjoyable. On that, you know, in in that in that moment, like we know for them, like this is what you want. We we went over those core values. We went over your why. I'm going to help you get to that goal. And this these Two, three, four hours, whatever it is that you you know you work it it, it it's going to be radical change, and but that's where that's where great things happen
2: yeah, and i I think it just comes from preparing them, you know, knowing that we are a neutral third party into that household, that we are there to help them, and that it does it gets sticky I've had those sticky situations too, where even my process it's going well, and then you start to see that shutdown and it starts to feel too much. So of course we can pull back, but what that, just that ability to pull back to what they wanted, not what I want, what they want. Usually you give them some space, give them some time. And then also along with that show them how far they've come, you know, because it's, it's really easy to dwell on the negative and all the, all the roadblocks and the hurdles But to really show them how far we've come and that was following these principles, they usually get energized again and and can break out. All such good stuff, Amy, not only for our clients, but for
1: ourselves as professionals Leading them on this journey, getting organized, and what that truly means, the core of it. If you could leave our listeners with two sticky notes, they can just have two. So they've got to be really high impact uh, pieces of ad- either advice or insight. What would you leave them with from today's podcast episode?
2: Minimalism is a more sustainable life and it can open up doors if you allow it, but also understand that you need to ask. Yourself every day, these two questions How might my life be more with less? And does this bring me value? And I, I feel like just I know those aren't necessarily to do items, but I think just understanding that there's power there. Each one of us has the power to ask ourselves that question every day. And even when we slip up and we fall out of practice, we can always come back to that and start over again and i think we need to give ourselves some grace with that and understand that without grace minimalism is just another metric for perfection and that's not what we're trying to achieve so i th- i think it's all within us to to simplify
1: even if they write those reminders on those sticky notes it doesn't have to be again another thing to just add on your list of things to do it's just this gentle reminder uh and then maybe we all need that in our you know we're all trying to do so many things as as moms, as dads, as parents, as business owners, as employees, we'd be better selves if we just cleared a p- away a path that was just a little more purposeful. So Amy, where, if people want feel very empowered by this conversation today, how can they reach out to you and connect?
2: Absolutely. Well, you can certainly find me in the NAPO Guide of Professional Organizers, but I'm also at lifedonsimply.com also, if you happen to be in the Minnesota area, certainly check out the Minnesota chapter of Napo. Uh, we host events on a uh, monthly bi monthly occasion, so we'd love to see you out there as well.
1: Oh, that's a lovely invitation. I've actually met a lot of people from Minnesota in the past six months, and you guys are rock stars. I don't know what it is about that that area, but we're hardy. <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> yes, we're yes. hardy and you and you know whether or not it's intentional or not you get stuff done and it's usually really good impactful things so it's a good good group of people you have there so i'm sarah i'm your host listeners make this this you know 45 minutes you spent with amy and myself and and have it bring your life some purpose and maybe you know sit down tonight and take some time with a cup of tea or whatever that is and think about why you got started in this profession and why you want to help people either get organized or be more productive and and see if there's some things you can strip away from all those things you do to get back to like that core, what that really means for you and how you can be more intentional serving your clients. And I think in turn, that will help them reach their goals. If not faster, it'll just last Longer and be a life, a change, a radical change, as Amy said. It's just, it's all very thought provoking. So, Amy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being here with me, for learning with me. As I always say, if you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with just something, something inspirational or valuable, please let us know in that review uh, system, whether you listen to us on iTunes or Spotify. Subscribe. That lets us know that we're doing something good. We want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and leaving us a review, share this. You can let a friend know like, hey, I know you've been struggling with with what minimalism means or with with finding your why. This episode, it might be what you've been looking for. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. I'll talk to you then.
0: That's all for today's episode of Standout, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net To join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.